to me. Information, news, and entertainment on demand. WSRadio.com. Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to Heart Empowered Women Radio with your host, Clarice Connolly. Hello, and welcome to another amazing episode of Heart Empowered Women Radio. I am so excited for you all who are listening. My name is Clarice Connolly and I am the hostess. And I'm so excited to bring to you the opportunity to hear women, women who are living an empowered life, women who women who have overcome triumph or obstacles, circumstances or situations, and have really turned it around. And what my favorite part is, is while I'm meeting women out in the world, um, in person or all over social media, is that they're taking these experiences and turning them into either unconventional opportunities or really beautiful things out in the world to inspire and support others. And that's my intention. While this story may not relate to you exactly, how can you hear it and hear your story or opportunities in your lives and bring those forward? Maybe this affects you are your loved ones or an individual that you would love to support better and you can hear them inside of these stories. And all I can hope for is just to gift you a little inspiration, a little action to take, a little possibility where maybe there wasn't any before and start conversations, whether it be with your closest loved ones or complete strangers, but to build that that possibility inside of yourself. So today's guest, I'm super excited is Tiffany Theon, and she is an RN and an intuitive eating coach. Tiffany helps women with disordered eating to finally heal the relationship with food so they gain freedom, balance, and satisfaction. She helps clients to stop the binge, shame, restrict cycle. Through intuitive eating, clients begin to fully nourish themselves, mind, body, and spirit, so they feel great and have the energy to do what they want to do. Tiffany's passion is helping women stop wasting their precious energy drained by the food and body struggle so that they can use their energy to be powerful leaders in the world. She's been sober for 20 years and feels that her recovery has informed all areas of her life, especially her work as a nurse and a coach. When she isn't coaching, she enjoys spending time with family and friends and being out in nature, creating more fun and adventure and play in their life. Welcome to the mic, Tiffany. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me on today. I know. Thank you so much for joining. And I want to just jump right in, like share a little bit about your life and where do we start and jump in? I'm just so, ah, this is so good. (laughs) Yeah, it was so great to to meet you in person recently. And um, I'm thrilled to be on. One of the things that I recently have been doing a little bit of research on is the idea that stigma actually contributes to um, negative health health outcomes. And so um, I love that you are kind of shining a spotlight on 
um, you know, challenges that people have and, and trying to help reduce stigma and shame in the world, because I think that work is so powerful and so needed. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I, I couldn't agree more. And I love the fact that, you know, you're challenged and taking on, you know, not only your healing around, um, food freedom essentially, and, um, inspiring to help others with that as well. So how do you, what has your journey been in regard to, you know, intuitive eating and shame and the stigma that you were faced and how did you overcome that? Uh, so, it, you know, my struggles with food really started when I was a young girl, when I was about uh, probably 10 years old, I watched my mom, you know, diet. Uh, I watched my mom diet off and on, you know, since I was a young girl and I really, found that um, I just, you know, naturally gravitated towards following her modeling and wanting Mm -hmm. to diet to lose weight. I was, you know, pretty average sized child, but not, you know, tiny by any any means. And it definitely was something that um, is something that was just an environmental, you know, piece. And then um, when I was 10, actually, I fell off of a horse and ended up in the hospital for about a week. And so Mm -hmm. I ended up I couldn't eat because they were worried that they would have to take out my spleen. I had punctured my oh, spleen. Wow. Um, and so the combination of those two things, like not having any food, you know, then I came out of that with this kind of food scarcity and this like mm. need, you know, my body was like, we need to make sure that we're not going to go through what it probably, you know, thought of as a famine. Um, and that really, uh, that really, started me off. And so then it became this like lifelong, you know, I diet, I'd restrict, I'd lose weight. And then I would kind of fall off the wagon and really eat everything, you know, or just mm-hmm. slowly kind of go back to eating mostly processed foods or foods that, um, you know, more highly palatable foods that I thought, you know, or that I wanted, right. That felt like I, I shouldn't eat. And, um, then it really improved. Um, when I became a nurse, I really, thought that I had a handle on it because I wanted to be healthy, you know, quote unquote, mm-hmm. instead quote of quote unquote, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> instead of dieting for weight loss. And, you know, during that time I started exercising more, you know, I really was trying to take care of myself. And so it was all well-intentioned, but I didn't realize it was actually contributing to my disordered eating because I still had that, you know, control and restriction phase. And then that pendulum swing where I would kind of eat everything and, and then have all of the shame and guilt around it. Um, and that really, um, became, it came to a head when I developed some serious health issues. And so I started seeking out, you know, again, for help, I started seeking out, um, more, uh, uh, like naturopathic physicians, you know, more holistic care, And while doing the restrictive diets in that realm did help some of my symptoms, it made it even, you know, worse because it was so extreme. Um, Some of these diets, you know, you you have to count the number of almonds that you're eating or you have to measure your broccoli. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. um, ultimately that drove me to therapy. I I started feeling like I was, you know, going to like develop a full-blown eating disorder. Um, Fortunately, my therapist was well-versed in intuitive eating and introduced me to that world. By then, I was already a coach, um, so I, you know, really valued the coaching process, and I was already working with people on um, health and wellness with kind of a self-care focus. But um, once I did this work for myself, 
and started having conversations with people, primarily women, but people, you know, men and women, um, about food, I saw how much mental and emotional energy we spend worrying about it, how much obsession, you know, people just like, I'm so tired of obsessing about food um, Mm -hmm. and how shaming we are towards ourselves. You know, we just say, oh, I'm just an emotional overeater. I have no willpower, willpower. There's something wrong with me. Um, and it all really opened my eyes to the diet industry and how much we're told that there's something wrong with us because we have an appetite or because we're a certain size. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that this idea that we should be smaller to be good um, and that we should always be kind of focusing on, um, you know, really eating restrictively or, or as healthy as possible to be virtuous. And it's simply not true. Our, our value and our worth has nothing to do with what we eat or our size or how we look. Um, but our culture reinforces those messages, you know, all day, every day. So it just became really clear. It's a huge problem. And, um, then I felt that I had a responsibility to do whatever I could to start combating the diet culture industry. Yeah. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. This is huge. And I can definitely identify so much, um, with the disordered eating part. And so, I think my first question is, you know, for me, it took living in like a women's recovery home with two other women that were working with their, you know, bulimia to be like, hey, uh, Clarice, yeah, that thing that you do where you're like afraid of potatoes and like don't want starches and like limit how much you, you know, that's like a little disordered and that's, you know, would be considered disordered eating. And so I would have had no idea. I just thought, oh, people who, you know, are like, that's normal, right? So how do you, you know, how do you describe disordered eater eating so people can kind of see like, oh, and have that aha moment for themselves? Yeah. Yeah. So in the intuitive eating world, we call it the food police (laughs) and it's all of the shoulds around food. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, if we're walking around and we're like, oh, I shouldn't eat that. And this, you know, we're having all of these rules, a lot of times that in itself can be, can feel like disordered eating or can be contributing to disordered eating. Mm-hmm. Um, even as simple as like, you have to clean your plate, you know, like those, mm. I'm sure you may have this experience or you might have friends who yep. like, they cannot throw away food, right? We have to mm-hmm. kind of stop. Yep. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's me. <laughs> yeah. And, and the fact is that it's not honoring of our bodies when we do that, right? Because our body mm-hmm. doesn't if our body doesn't want or need, um, if our body doesn't want or need the, um, you know, the nutrients in that food or the calories or whatever it is, then we actually have to like process that and do something with it rather than, you know, so it's still a waste and it's hard on our body. Mm-hmm. So it can be as simple as those things. It can also be, um, more, it can be, you know, a lot more serious, right? It can look like restricting, um, down to a very small number of calories. It can look like, um, you know, having this kind of binge restrict cycle where, you know, we eat all the things in the evening, for example, and then the next day we're like, I can't, you know, I shouldn't eat anything today because I ate, um, or even, you know, I should skip meals because I ate more than I quote unquote should have last night, that kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, for some people it turns into like a nightly pattern, where, you know, we're eating, like we're kind of restricting during the daytime and then we're eating in a way that feels really out of control in the evening. Um, and then, you know, the next day kind of going through that same cycle. Um, so I think for everyone, it's a little bit different for me. Mm -hmm. When I talk with people, the, the underlying 
component is that we feel out of control or we feel like we think about food a lot more than we want to. Like it feels unbalanced. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times there's a huge element of shame, right? So then we wake up kind of shaming ourselves for it. We would be embarrassed if people saw us eating in that way or if people knew, you know, how much we did or didn't eat um, or even, you know, certain kinds of foods. Um, And then, you know, the the piece I mentioned about like clear your plate, the idea of that is like eating to completion. So that is... um, you know, sometimes we don't, we're not connected to our body. So we don't Mm -hmm. eat based on if we're hungry or if we're full, we're eating, you know, to self-soothe or we're finishing off, you know, like we're having a bag of chips. We just eat the whole bag of chips, regardless of how full we are. Um, so those are all, those are all kind of signs that I look for. And, Mm -hmm. um, the underlying idea is that it feels, it doesn't feel good. feels, you know, like we have a messed up relationship with food. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely, there's a couple that I, I even have that I'm like inside of this. I'm like, it, it's the food scarcity thing where I'm like, I'm always this like pack rat that has food in her purse because I'm like scared that I'm like going to get hungry. My blood sugar is going to drop and then I don't know where I'm going to find food. So I'm always like overeating breakfast because I don't know what lunch is going to look like and how busy my day is going to be. So I, I hear that too, like the scarcity is a lot of what runned, like runs my disordered eating because they'd be like, oh, well, there's a really small cake here and I don't know when I'll have cake again. So I might as well just eat it all. Thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So in, and, in the, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> oh, well, in the intuitive eating world, we give ourselves unconditional permission to eat mm-hmm. and unconditional permission to eat any food. Um, now, that doesn't mean we don't use discernment. But, you know, if you're somewhere and you're starving and all there is to eat is something that you maybe wouldn't normally eat, we give ourselves permission to do that. Um, we also give ourselves permission to have the cake or whatever, because mm-hmm. If you know that you can have it whenever you want to, it takes away that kind of forbidden fruit or that, yeah, I have to Mm -hmm. eat this whole thing or, you know, Monday I'm going to go back on my diet, so I better eat this whole pizza right now, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So instead we give ourselves that permission and then that looks like, um, you know, I have cake when I want to have cake and um, I am, I do have a gluten intolerance, so I use my discernment. Gluten uh, causes me a lot of pain, so it's just not worth it for me, but Mm -hmm. I do get gluten-free cake when I want to, you know, and um, because of that, I can have a few bites, or I can have a piece and be fine, you know, be content and satisfied. Um, I know that I'm going to be allowed to get it again whenever I want to, so... I love that because then it totally puts you in this abundant mindset where you're just kind of like, I, that's my thing, the scarcity of like, well, I don't know if I'll ever be able to find another gluten-free and dairy-free cake, so <laughs> I might as well eat it all now. And then this, uh, this like, um, I love it. What did you say? Unconditional permission to eat? Mm-hmm. Unconditional ah. permission to eat. Ah, like I already like my little like girl inside is like, okay, <laughs> right? Oh, I just need that, right? Um, and so my thing, I'm curious, how do you identify or what does discernment mean mm. for those who are trying to pick this apart? Yeah, so it looks different for everyone. So for mm-hmm. me, I have um, an, an autoimmune condition and some chronic infections, and I'm working on those right now. Um, but there are definitely times, and then I have, like I said, you know, gluten intolerance and an egg intolerance. Um, and there are a few other foods that I don't do great with. So, you know, there are foods that I'm like, 
this food isn't worth it for me personally. It's not a good or bad food. It just doesn't work for my body. Um, and then other foods, like if I have a plate of nachos, you know, I might not feel amazing, but I'm going to be okay. If I eat those nachos, you know, like three days in a row, I'm probably going to feel pretty crummy, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's how I use discernment is like, is this food worth it? Will it actually be satisfying? You know, whereas it used mm-hmm. to be that I would go to the store and I'd want like, you know, ding dongs and Cheetos because those foods were quote unquote kind of forbidden. Right. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I can have them, but I'm like, would I really be satisfied with that really feel good to both my palate and my body? Uh, not really, you know, wouldn't, mm-hmm. I mean, and now, you know, that seems like it would be so sweet, you know, to me. And it's just really has changed. Like that's, I just actually don't want that. Um, mm-hmm. So we also, you know, do make health a priority and everybody gets to decide like how much. So if you're somebody who has maybe had a, a, you know, a diagnosed serious eating disorder in the past and you're in recovery from that, any level of restriction, you know, any level of saying like, well, that's, you know, a food that I don't want to eat because it doesn't feel great to my body, that actually might be triggering for you, right? And so Mm. you could decide, like, I'm not going to try to control my food intake at all. Um, And so it's much less about control and much more about what feels good and like self-care to me. Um, So for me, that means I do eat nachos when I want to, and I eat, you know, gluten-free cake when I want to, but I also eat kale, uh, every day. I had some this morning. With breakfast. Yes. I love it. It makes me feel good. I find it satisfying. Mm. I know not, not everyone in the world does. Right. But the point is that I, I eat the foods that make my body feel well to the level mm-hmm. that I, um, want to, and the level that feels good to me. So there are times where, um, like this morning, for example, I woke up and I was like, you know, my joints are a little more painful and, um, and instead of kind of shaming myself for whatever, you know, I had some gluten-free mac and cheese last night. Instead of shaming myself about that, it's like, okay, well, my body's giving me information that it's not tolerating these foods well right now. So, uh, you know, I'm going to be aware of that and make a decision based on those signals from my body rather than any sort of should or judgment or shame. I love that too, because I'm, I'm definitely... Um, me and food are just like, we have such an interesting relationship. Like my mouth loves all the nightshades, like mm-hmm. super into mushrooms, onions, like all those things. But my gut is like, Oh God, it's coming. Here they come. <laughs> you know, like, and it's kind of this thing where I'm like, I love them. So I know that they, I take longer to digest them. It, in, it bloats me a little bit. I just like have to like be prepared that it's like, this is the, <laughs> this is the thing. So that's kind of my question. I'm like, man, I've created this relationship where I'm like, I'm going to eat onions and I know that this is coming, but also is my gut trying to be like, Hey, homie, no more onions. Like, how do you separate? Like, what's the actual discernment or truth or like really gift that your body's trying to tell you in this, in this situation? That's a great question. And so this is kind of the biggest challenge with intuitive eating is really Mm -hmm. getting, um, we, I call it body attunement. So getting in tune with your body and again, with a really, from a really loving place. And so when we can let go of any judgment and any shame, and the the reason that's important is that when we have shame, well, judgment triggers shame, right? So if a food is Mm -hmm. good or bad in our brain and then Mm -hmm. we eat it, 
we're good or bad, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. letting go, like food is emotionally neutral. Food is food. It's just food. My body, you know, deals with food in different ways than other people, right? So each Mm -hmm. person's body handles it differently. So, um, when we can let go of that, it's helpful because the shame itself actually makes us, it increases our cortisol. And they've actually studied this. Um, they've tested people's cortisol levels. And so when you have shame, it increases your cortisol level. And then when you have more cortisol in your body, that's more stress, right? And then what are you going to want to do? You're going to want to soothe, right? (laughs) And food Mm -hmm. is part of that oftentimes for most of us. And so, um, it actually perpetuates that cycle of like eating the things that don't feel good or eating in a way that doesn't feel good. So we have to work on untangling all of that and, you know, changing that wiring. And then when we can look at it really from a pure sense of, um, you know, how does this feel for my body? We have to have that experience. And so when we eat the food, um, you know, then it's like, okay, look, just like I had last night, you know, this morning I woke up, I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I feel a little bloated. My body, my joints hurt a little bit. And it doesn't mean that I can never eat gluten-free mac and cheese again. It just Mm. means Right now, it doesn't feel amazing to my body. And today, I feel like I'm in a place where, like, I already have a salad prepped in the fridge. You know, I had my my breakfast scramble that I eat ready to go. You know, so I'm, I it's not too much of a, you know, challenge for me to mm-hmm. shift today to just eating some foods that are a little easier for on my body. Um, and, you know, I'm just listening to those cues. But I have to really account for um, that piece of, what feels good to me? What feels like self-care? You know, would it feel restrictive to not have that today? Um, it doesn't. I don't actually have a desire for it today, right? Mm-hmm. And and instead, you know, I, I kind of look at that energy level that I have for it too, right? So it's like no judgment. I know this isn't feeling great to my body. Do I have the energy to really address this right now? And the other piece that I do personally, you know, it sounds like maybe this is something that might be helpful for people in your situation where you know that something irritating your gut is I really focus on other health interventions. And so what are other things that can um, help my body to heal? Right. Because, um, you know, I'd love to someday be have a body that's resilient enough to be able to tolerate eating, you know, a gluten full piece of cake. Right. <laughs> like I, I think that there's, I have some underlying health issues that I can address in many other ways besides just trying to kind of manage food, um, and actually heal my body. So I'm listening to that signal. So I'm getting really in touch with my body and I'm like, Oh, my body's telling me that my gut's having problems with this. Right. So we can mm-hmm. take digestive enzymes. We can take probiotics. We can work with our doctor on testing, um, you know, what else is going on. So what I found is that I have, um, something very similar to Lyme disease and I have an autoimmune condition and I also had a a mold infection in my body. So of course my body is struggling to digest food, right? (laughs) Because Mm. all of those things can impact your gut health. And so, um, you know, I think oftentimes we just blame ourselves for eating things that aren't, um, you know, that are a little more processed or that maybe aren't these, mm-hmm. um, foods that are considered like superfoods all the time, right? Because we mm-hmm. don't eat perfectly, but you know, our bodies are meant to be, you know, pretty resilient. And so listening to those signals, but not necessarily in, and not judging ourselves instead really being open to the possibility of it. Does this mean that there's something else going on or is there yeah. another way that I can support myself here? 
Oh my gosh. I just love that. I, 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 um, yes, yes. All the things. Yes. So I love that. It's like, you're not necessarily defining intuitive eating, but you're giving all the examples of like what it means. It's really like checking in with yourself and asking yourself, like, is this self-care or is this restrictive? Is, you know, what is my energy level behind this? It's kind of like intentionally asking yourself before you like mindlessly do the action of shoving it in or restricting it out or whatever it may be. Um, and I love this notion of like reaching out for support and the support I was like listening was like, Oh, digestive enzymes or probiotics. But what it brought up for me is that my journey, um, really kind of stemmed from body shame. So anytime, you know, my dad kind of noticed my gut was hanging out as a kid, it was kind of like, suck that gut in. Oh, keep eating like that. Right. So it created this, like my hotspot or my button is my belly. And so if my belly is inflamed or sticking out or full or too big or whatever, it's my like automatic, like I did something wrong or like I like total right, wrong, making myself bad. And I kind of like gave up, like had this like, oh, whatever foods just meant to like keep me going, whatever, like I, I dysfunctional relationship. But I love this like notion of like reaching out for support, like reaching out to be supported by an intuitive, you know, coach, intuitive eating coach. And, and for me, it was finding this individual, I, I never remember the modality she used, but, but it was basically like, hey, like you have low stomach acid. And that's why it feels like you're digesting rocks and everything that you eat is like, you know, healthy or unhealthy. Um, and so I love this, like, hey, maybe there's actually something else going on underneath, undiagnosed or untended to. And like, how can you find that support system or reach out to be supported to get better, uh, you know, in the know of how to understand your body and what's going on? Yeah. So there's so many ways. And of course, that's, you know, that's some of the work that I do with people. It's I, I have a six month program. We dive into the intuitive eating principles, but we also look into, you know, is there an underlying health issue going on? And of course I connect, you know, with naturopaths in the area or functional medicine providers, integrative medicine providers. Um, I think the biggest thing is really recognizing that we don't, you know, letting go of that judgment, getting curious, like, is there something else going on? And then building a relationship with a provider that you can trust. Um, and that's challenging. You know, it might take a couple of tries, right? You might take like in, kind of interviewing providers because um, you may go to someone and they may reinforce that restriction. Like I, like I had that experience, you know, of, um, you know, you just need to eat this perfect diet and then you know, you'll be okay. And it, what it turned out was that I struggled. It contributed to my disordered eating. And then I wasn't okay, right? Like, yeah, my symptoms were a little better managed. Um, I love that. You- let's, yeah, we're going to take a little bit of a break here and let's jump into that more. I, this is like the best, juiciest part. So hang on your seat. <laughs> okay. If you're identifying with us, stuff, we've got so much more to do. Going to be great. There's hope at the end of the tunnel. Tune in. If you heard that sound, you probably are eligible for insurance from Navy Mutual, insuring the men and women of the Navy, Marines, and Coast Guard. Here's what one policyholder, retired Navy Commander Thomas Dane, had to say Navy Mutual is the best insurance decision I ever made. I wish you had a savings plan available that earned the rates my Navy Mutual insurance has been earning. 
Navy Mutual Aid Association, started by military members in 1879, serves active, reserve, and retired military today. Navy Mutual honors our military by providing them affordable life insurance with the features they need without fine print, sales fees, or military service restrictions. Value, integrity, trust, and stability are the cornerstones on which our commitment to you and your loved ones are built. Call Navy Mutual at 1-800-628-6011 or NavyMutual.org for your personal life insurance plan consultation. 1-800-628-6011 or NavyMutual.org. Navy Mutual, insuring those who serve. Hi, this is Rob Barnett, CM founder of VinVillage.com and the Wine & Dine Show on VinVillage Radio. Do you have a wine, event, product, or service to promote? Then contact VinVillage.com to reach thousands of wine lovers across the country. VinVillage connects like-minded wine enthusiasts with unique and exclusive wines, events, products, and services. To learn more, contact us on VinVillage.com. VinVillage is where wine lovers connect. Do you want to be a professional coach? Are you in business trying to make a real difference with people you manage or work with? Have you started a coaching practice that isn't quite getting off the ground? Get the skills you need to be a successful coach today with the Coach's Training Program from Accomplishment Coaching. The Coach's Training Program will show you how to help others focus and be more fulfilled. Whether you want to improve your company's bottom line or create a thriving coaching practice, Accomplishment Coaching can give you the distinctions and practices you need to coach others effectively today. Accomplishment Coaching has spent six years developing a cutting-edge coaches training program that will have you ready to coach people professionally in just 12 months, and you don't have to take time off work to do it. To find out more about the Coaches Training Program, just call 1-888-548-6813. That's 1-888-548-6813. Gotham Books presents Marriage Rules by Harriet Lerner. The book Martha Beck calls required reading for anyone hoping to interact successfully with any other human, not just for those in romantic relationships. Get your copy wherever books and ebooks are sold and visit harrietlearner.com to learn how to change your marriage today. Talk to me. Information, news, and entertainment on demand. Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com Welcome to Heart Empowered Women Radio with your host, Clarice Connolly. Welcome. Welcome back to the second half of Intuitive Eating with Tiffany Dion. She is an intuitive eating coach and a registered nurse. She is amazing. And we were just jumping in and got totally sidetracked because I was just mm-hmm. hanging on to every word because I, I love this stuff. Like this is so much my journey and I've gotten so much better than I was and I still have so much better and so much more to go. And I like I I want to bring this gift because I feel that it's so important 
And thank you so much, Tiffany, for doing the work. How do people get involved with you? Where do we send them? How can they learn more? Um, do you have yeah. a website or social media? Let's talk about that before we go any further. Yeah, so all the things. Um, thank you for that. Uh, it's coachtiffanyrn.com. And then on social media, it's also Coach Tiffany RN. Um, and I also I'm going to be starting a Mighty Networks group. So that is intuitive, eat, or intuitive Eating with Coach Tiffany. And so people are welcome to look me up on there. Um, I can provide you the information as well if there's somewhere to post it yeah. online. Uh-huh. So amazing. So the website is coachtiffanyrn.com. Awesome. Yeah. And then I'm on Facebook, you know, Instagram, uh, Pinterest. I am actually not on Twitter. I just, you know, there's so many. Me either. It's fine. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so many things to do. And, and yeah. And then the Mighty Networks group is um, Intuitive Eating with Coach Tiffany. And I'm going to actually have my course online there as well. So that's a 10 module course or 10 week, you know, self-paced course that'll be um, on starting June, beginning of June. Okay. Amazing. I am so excited. I can't wait. So get involved. Go check her out. CoachTiffanyRN.com. Find her on all the social medias minus Twitter because Twitter's weird. It's fine. <laughs> um, just kidding. Uh, if you're into it, go ahead. Um, so I, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm following this process and I know there's so much I wanted to get into and I'm literally, we're probably just going to have to have you back because there's like a whole other element to you that I'm so excited to share more about as well. Um, but there's kind of this like intuitive eating. I, I heard almost like a process of mm-hmm. like letting go of the judgment, getting kind of curious, finding providers. Um, I think that it's important, you know, no matter how far you are on this journey, um, I'm originally from the East Coast and maybe it's an East Coast thing, who knows? But I always thought it was just like, oh yeah, go to a doctor and ask them. But there's really more like integrative or functional medicine doctors or naturopaths. So I really wanted to like high like highlight that, um, that it's completely different in a sense, right? Yeah. So my experience with with those types of providers is that they are more open to the idea of intuitive eating. They are more likely to be looking at underlying, you know, like root causes for things. And so um, that concept of that our bodies are giving us signals and messages. Um, if you're not feeling well, that there's something going on there, right? So um, for example, I just had a, a younger client who um, wasn't feeling well, you know, had a lot of fatigue and she was, you know, kind of attributing it to depression and um, food. And so we did some, you know, looking at food and and really focusing on eating a particular, you know, way for a little while to see if that was an issue. Um, And she really came through it with finding that none of those foods that she thought were really problematic really were causing any issues. And when we dug a little deeper, it turns out that she actually has sleep apnea. And so, of course, she's exhausted, mm, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, 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 and, you know, she wouldn't have necessarily been diagnosed that by going to a traditional um, medicine doctor because she is younger and she's in a pretty average sized body. Um, and so typically with sleep apnea, you know, you're only diagnosed if you are in a larger body or if you're mm. uh, and or if you're older. And so, um, you know, there's just there's there's a lot of kind of assumptions in the medical world. Mm-hmm. And, um, and similarly, like if you're, if you're, um, if you are in a larger body, I don't like to say overweight because I don't believe that there's a Who correct says? 
Right. Yeah. There's, yeah, yeah there's not a correct weight to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're in a larger body and you go to a doctor and you're like, Hey, I'm having, um, you know, GI issues or I'm having this symptom or that symptom, a lot of times you'll be told to lose weight. And so, um, that isn't providing you with the actual diagnosing mm-hmm. of, you know, the, the underlying causes and it's not yeah. allowing the focus to be on health interventions. So, um, mm-hmm. I think establishing with a provider that is willing to work with you to get down to root causes and that understands that you're not wanting to have a diet or, you know, focus on weight loss, um, is much healthier because when we focus on weight loss, um, well, first of all, diets don't work and weight and, and trying to lose mm-hmm. weight in a restrictive way at all does not work. Um, mm-hmm. all the studies research shows that it's really clear. Um, but also that kind of puts you back into that spiral, right? Where you're kind of trying to eat restrictively and then you tend to, um, quote unquote, fall off the wagon, you know, and in eat in a way that doesn't feel good or, or eat in a way that feels like you are doing something bad or wrong. Mm-hmm. And the other problem with focusing on weight loss and dieting and restricting is that we lose muscle mass and we our metabolism goes down. So it really sets us up to perpetuate this cycle. And weight cycling is actually much more harmful um, and, and hard on your body than just being at a larger uh, or a higher weight. And so mm-hmm. um, staying stable is actually much better for you and focusing on health interventions um, is much more important. So they did a study with people who have diabetes and found that the group that focused on weight loss didn't do as well as the group who focused on health interventions like um, maintaining a stable blood sugar. And so it's much more important to, like I said, establish a relationship with a provider who's going to focus on health interventions and who's going to help you get down to the root causes of things like like your experience. Oh, you have yeah. less stomach acid. It wouldn't have mattered. You know, you ate all the kale in the world. You probably would still have some problems. Right. Mm-hmm. Or if you never ate a piece of cake, you probably would still be having problems because you have an, an underlying issue that's causing. Um, yeah. Your, you know, and, challenges. I, and I love that. Thanks for, you know, and again, you know, if you're listening, thanks for taking this in and not tuning it out if it doesn't directly apply to you. But I think that that's the part, right? Like that's, I ignored it for so many years because my parents never took me to a doctor unless I had to take a physical because of school. The end, like that was it, you know? And then choosing to like, finally like, gosh, I feel like I'm allergic to dairy and gluten. Like, and I like just cut it out. But then I was like, man, but there's still something else that triggered me. And, um, going to an allergist that pricked me with a hundred needles. And that was like, nope, you're not allergic to this, but I hadn't eaten gluten or dairy in years. So, you know, and then him referring me to a person that was like, oh, it's just IBS. Just, you know, mm-hmm. here's some amitriptyline. Take that every night, you know? Yeah. And, and to like, finally, like, again, I, I didn't know what a naturopath was. I didn't know what some of these other terms were. Uh, I mean, it wasn't until I met someone that was like, oh, I do this thing. Um, let's talk. And that I was like, oh, wow, I, I would have never known. I didn't know people that used naturopaths. I, I, it wasn't a conversation. So that's my intention. And that's why I felt so connected with you is that there's this whole realm of possibility that auto, daughter, doctors, you know, aren't exploring. They're just like, oh, it's IBS because it's, you know, something's happening and we don't know. Here you go. And like <laughs> versus yeah, really getting to the root. And I, I yeah. didn't even know that was a thing. Um, the thing that I'm super curious about what your, um, experiences or, uh, understanding of it is, is the whole intermittent fasting. 
Uh, that, that's a great question. I love it when this comes up. So there, are, there have been some studies primarily on um, white men <laughs> that show that if you do intermittent fasting, there are some health benefits. Mm-hmm. And um, this is, you know, this is, it's really important to acknowledge who they've done the studies on and that we're each, you know, unique individuals, right? And so if we mm-hmm. look at intermittent fasting for women, I feel like the research isn't as, um, you know, it hasn't been as, as well researched. So um, mm-hmm. women are different, right? And it causes shifts in our hormones. So it actually can increase your testosterone. Well, mm-hmm. if you're a woman who, you know, needs more testosterone, you might feel, testosterone, you might feel good, right? But if you're someone who doesn't, it might not feel well for you. And if you're someone who has kind of, um, and now there's, they're not sure if adrenal fatigue is the right terminology, but if you have somebody who's kind of like an adrenal fatigue issue, um, intermittent fasting can contribute, you know, can make that worse, right? Because you're basically mm. starving yourself for 16 hours a day or 12 hours a day or whatever it is. In addition to that, um, so we don't really know, right, what happens mm-hmm. for, our, for each mm-hmm. person. But the main, my main concern with it, and I've actually tried it, so I can speak to my own personal experience, is that um, that kind of pendulum swing that I talked about. So, you know, when you go without eating, your body thinks you're going into famine mode. And so it does some things to try to deal with that initially. But what happens then is it increases your desire for food and um, you ultimately end up trying to like get those calories in right at other times. Mm-hmm. And there's times where we can kind of shut up our appetite, but our appetite is an important signal, right? We actually mm-hmm. need to know when we're hungry. So not so shutting off your appetite isn't a great solution to that increased desire for food. Um, so when I did it, I would, you know, fast, um, from like seven o'clock at night or something like that. And I was supposed to eat like a lower carb dinner. This was, you know, something my doctor suggested, um, and before intuitive eating, and then I would go through the morning, right. And I would eat about one o'clock in the afternoon. So I would only eat from, you know, for like those six hours. And then, um, what would happen for me is I felt like I couldn't catch up all day long and I would just want to eat all the things, right? Like I couldn't get enough calories in, in that time. And I was just felt like I was starving. And so, and then, you know, I would break the, break the fasting or I would not fast the next day, or I would, you know, just for like three days, want to eat everything in sight. And so that really contributed to me, for me, to that shame and that's that pendulum swing cycle that I, that I've mentioned a few times. And it's, it was um, definitely something that contributed to my disordered eating. And I feel like intermittent fasting, people do it by themselves without medical supervision, which is a really bad idea because, again, if you have a medical condition that it might make worse, um, mm-hmm. it may not be the right thing for you. And then also, um, you know, we're doing it and doctors are recommending it without assessing for someone's propensity toward disordered eating or what the ramifications of fasting might be for someone. And so I feel like it's a really, it it can be actually potentially really dangerous. Yeah, it sounds like it. And I just, um, I, I know so many people that are on it and I'm like, man, how do you ever, how do you ever get off the roller coaster? How do you ever get off that roller coaster? It's like, you just keep playing. And I don't know. I don't know what, how does that, how does that even work? Yeah. And Um, I feel like well, that roller coaster is really important because um, what happens then is when people try to stop, they 
eat all the things, right? And they then believe that that is confirmation that they don't have any willpower or that there's something wrong with them or that they need to be better at dieting, right? They need to like control food harder. Mm. (laughs) And so it reinforces the false idea that there's something wrong with us every time, you know, we go through that cycle and then we try to get a step off the wagon, so to speak. And so um, that is something that people sometimes experience when they first start doing intuitive eating, they give themselves that unconditional permission to eat. And it's like, I haven't let myself have, you know, um, potato chips in so long, or I haven't let, allowed myself to have ice cream or I want to eat ice cream every day. Right. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, and so that even that concept of restricting, like we talked about, like, Oh, on Monday, I'm going to clean up my act. Right. Then we go into a weekend mm-hmm. binge of, I have to eat all it's last supper eating, you know, I have to eat all the foods right now because yeah. I'm not going to be able to eat them for like months. Right. So instead, when we shift into intuitive eating, we can really look at like, you know, what works for my body and all of those things. But first we have to get through that, the other side of that pendulum swing. And so just acknowledging that you may experience, you know, you probably have an increased desire for food if you've been restricting in any way, even, you know, intermittent fasting or even just restricting certain food groups or, um, you know, if you don't let yourself eat after a certain time at night, any type of restriction, you may experience an increased desire for food. And that's just a biological response. Um, your Our body's mm-hmm. actually... Um, our body actually does this thing where it increases our hunger signals um, and it increases the way that certain, it makes certain foods taste better. If you've been avoiding Mm -hmm. them and then you eat it, it's actually going to taste better to you. So those are all biological, like physiological responses. That's not, has nothing to do with your willpower. (laughs) I, I, uh, I just love you. Thank you so much. You bring so much like compassion and lightness to such a hard, in my opinion, and in my historical experience, like topic. And you make it so easy to listen and talk about because what I hear in what you're saying is that like, gosh, our like mind and, you know, whether you want to call it the lizard brain or like whatever you identify, like our, our inner bully, like is so quick to like beat ourselves up to make us wrong, to like label us as, you know, weak and without willpower. And, um, you know, I had, I had someone say, uh, like a sugar addict, um, Mm -hmm. and just like, we're so quick, quick to be like, see, there's something wrong with me. Yep. Mm -hmm. See, I'm broken. see, I'm a sugar monster or like, I'm like weak and, and, you know, and it's like, man, we just like, so want to beat ourselves up. And I love that this is like the science behind this. Like it's a biological response of Mm -hmm. your actions. And we don't think about it like that. Like it's not wrong or right. It just happens. And also like the judgment's optional. Yeah, absolutely. Judgment is, it's so optional and it's living life without it. Like I eat probably better now than I ever have consistently anyway, you know, like I've had period, I've done, I did whole 34 times, you know, <laughs> like I've had periods where I ate, um, you know, only the foods that are kind of like, you know, worshiped as being perfect foods or whatever. And now I just eat really well, you know, every day I put good food in my body that makes me feel good. And then I, I said, good food. See, I catch myself even sometimes, but I know, you know, black and white, it's so automatic. (laughs) There's no good or bad, but I put food in my body that makes me feel really good. And that's really nourishing. And I tend to eat, you know, at home as much as I can. And I tend to eat, 
um, you know, foods that are very, um, you know, that just feel really good, very energy, you know, um, energizing food. And so I eat that way consistently now, but I also enjoy food and I make a priority, make it a priority to eat food that's satisfying, that feels good. And removing that judgment actually brought me more freedom. And I didn't have, like, I think what happens is that people think, okay, I'm broken, right? There's something wrong with me. I'm a sugar addict, like you said. And by the way, the science is out about sugar addiction and it is not the same as like substance use disorder, alcohol use disorder. Um, but it does increase dopamine in our brain. And mm-hmm. so there's, there's other ways to increase dopamine in our brain. Right. And there's yeah. other reasons you might have sugar cravings. Like you may have mm-hmm. gut bacteria that are, um, you know, the kind of bacteria that make you crave sugar that might, you might have a yeast overgrowth in your gut. That's going to make you crave sugar. Um, or maybe you're restricting. And then when you do eat some carbs, you want to eat all the carbs, right? Or Mm -hmm. maybe you're not getting enough sleep and you're exhausted. And so your body's looking for quick fuel and you have a higher level of cortisol, which is going to make you crave carbs. So there's a lot of underlying reasons that you might have an experience of eating sugar in a way that feels out of control. Um, that's not the same as, you know, an addiction. So it's really important to, um, like you said, you know, check the judgment and, and really if we do that, like I'm living proof of, you know, somebody who's done that and I'm not eating, like I'm not, you know, just eating ice cream all day, every day I eat, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I eat food that feel, makes my body feel good. So it actually is a way to freedom. I love that. And so my automatic, like my little rabbit, my rabbit, my little lizard brain is like, yeah, I've, so, uh, when I lived in a women's recovery home, it was the exact thing you're saying. Like there's, um, you know, a lot of women with substance issues, substance issues and mine is food. So I'm like, oh, here we are, abundance of food just around all the time. And I found myself just keep eating. And then, you know, 20 pounds later, I'm just kind of like, oh, so how do we determine like, what is the new safe weight? Like what is our body's weight that it actually desires, not the one we're trying to force and inflict it to be or stuff it into a certain box so that, you know, is under a number that makes us fit in with society. Like how do you support people in kind of wrapping their mind around like, this is the weight that your body wants to be. And how do we be okay with that? It's so hard because there is weight stigma is a real thing, right? And so in our Mm -hmm. culture, if you're someone who's in a larger body, you are going to experience, you know, judgment and stigma um, from other people. And that's really, that's really tragic and terrible, right? Mm -hmm. So of course we want to avoid that stigma. And we want to avoid the, that pain that we would experience in the world if our body is in a larger body. We have to consider, you know, everything that our bodies have gone, has gone through. We have to consider our genetics and all of these things. And so what it really comes down to is learning to have respect for our body and Mm -hmm. acceptance, right? We don't necessarily have to be in a place um, where every day we're like, yes, I love myself and I love my body. And right. Cause that can be too much of a stretch sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. but recognizing like my body, you know, first of all, these, you know, these are the genes I have, right. So like, you wouldn't expect somebody who is, uh, has a size nine foot to try to like control their foot and fit into a size five shoe. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so people's bodies are just different. Um, but also, you know, there's the other components of like, if you've done a lot of weight cycling, so if you've had a lot of intentional, um, episodes of weight loss, 
you're going to likely end up at a higher weight over time, right? And so mm-hmm. um, that's another reason we know diets don't work. But recognizing like, okay, I've done a lot of this um, because I thought that that was the right thing to do, right? So again, we're not shaming ourselves, but just recognizing mm-hmm. like my body has been trying to fight against basically famine its whole life, right? Like my body. Mm-hmm. So um, and maybe, you know, if you're someone who has had children, you're probably your body will change, right? Or when you go through menopause, um, your body's going to change. And so, you know, there's just, and, and you know, for men there, your hormones change over time too. your testosterone drops over time. And, you know, that kind of joke about like dad bod, well, that there's a reason for that. Your hormones change. Mm. And, you know, so it's not like you're bad. Um, mm-hmm. So I think the challenge really, though, is that we're such a weight-focused society that we think that if we're not at a certain weight, that there's something wrong. Um, and what I would say to that is, um, you know, well, like I I have banished my scale to the garage. I can't remember the last time I've weighed myself. And mm. instead, I check in with my body. How does my body feel? Am I feeling low energy? You know, again, kind of focusing on like health interventions and what mm-hmm. works for my body. If I feel great, what difference does it make what size I am? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and if I can have gratitude for my body and accept my body where it's at today, then everything's going to feel okay. Right. Versus like this idea, this judgment that we should be a certain size. And, you know, again, you're going to, you know, potentially experience like people may comment when you're out in the world. And to me, this is like a social justice issue. Like I, I think that, um, it's really not okay to do that. And so I've tried to change my language, even when someone I see has, you know, lost weight or something like I don't mm-hmm. congratulate people for losing weight because I don't think that's the best thing that you, you know, we did your body want to do that? Or did, are you trying to force it? Like you said, or right to me, it's more important to be like, oh, I love, you know, like you're such a generous person or you give the best hugs or you have an amazing mm-hmm. smile or you're doing incredible work, right? Like those are the things that I care about. Um, so, you know, really shifting the way that we look at it. And, and I think having really good boundaries around, um, you know, I try not to comment on people's bodies and I ask people not to comment on my body in a gentle mm-hmm. way. You know, I try mm-hmm. to, because right now it's still kind of a weird concept, right? Like I even had a close friend, uh, you know, I don't know, six months ago or so I, um, adjusted my, my weight went down a little and she was like, Oh, you look great. And I was like, well, you know, that means that if I gain weight, then I I don't look great. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that that's so important to emphasize, um, like how can we get away from that as a society and how we don't even realize that this is, has a lasting effect on someone. If they hear you say you look great now, then they're going to be like, Oh, okay. This is when people will acknowledge me and notice my body, my hard work. And then they're forever sitting on that. And, ah, I like, love that. How will we (laughs) practice acknowledging people for their being and their essence and, you know, what we love about them that has nothing to do with their body so that we can support each other in healing the way that we are relating to and in, partnership with our bodies and growing and evolving. Yeah, beautiful. I love the way you said that. Thank you so much. This has been so helpful. I hope, you know, as a listener, you can hear yourself, you can hear the possibilities, the things that, you know, maybe you didn't know were even a thing. Um, Please go find Tiffany, reach out, ask to be supported. She's at Tiffany, I wrote it down, 
go check her out. I'll, I'll absolutely include her link and website in my post. And thank you so much for joining us. It's Do you want to be a professional coach? Are you in business trying to make a real difference with people you manage or work with? Have you started a coaching practice that isn't quite getting off the ground? Get the skills you need to be a successful coach today with the Coach's Training Program from Accomplishment Coaching. The Coach's Training Program will show you how to help others focus and be more fulfilled. Whether you want to improve your company's bottom line or create a thriving coaching practice, Accomplishment Coaching can give you the distinctions and practices you need to coach others effectively today. Accomplishment Coaching has spent six years developing a cutting-edge coaches training program that will have you ready to coach people professionally in just 12 months, and you don't have to take time off work to do it. To find out more about the Coaches Training Program, just call 1-888-548-6813. That's 1-888-548-6813. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training accomplishment coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world visit accomplishmentcoaching.com to learn more accomplishment coaching where coaches lead and leaders coach Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, the coaching show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Kenja Dixon was crowned the number one sales executive through hard work, deep thinking, and the revelation of universal talk laws. He now wants to share these lessons with you. Universal talk laws are what you need to know and use in business and at home to have successful and effective conversations. Kenja Dixon shares his wisdom, action plans, and wealth. Each book comes with a chance to win $10,000. Find Universal Talk Laws at KenjaDixon.com. Hi, Scale Listener. This is David Finkel, co-host with Jeff Hoffman of Scale Your Business. I wanted to let you know that our newest book, Scale, was just released and to encourage you to get your copy. The book will give you seven proven principles to grow your business and get your life back. If you've ever wanted to grow your business, but held yourself back from fear that it would take over your life, then we urge you to get your copy of Scale today. It'll give you a proven roadmap for rapidly growing your business while also gaining more personal freedom. Scale will help you work less by getting your business to produce more. Scale is for every entrepreneur who ever wondered if they really own their business or if their business owns them. Get your copy online or at your local bookseller. For more information, visit us online at scaleyourbusinesstoolkit.com. That's scaleyourbusinesstoolkit.com. Thank you.